0: into the pop-off podcast presented by Semi Pro Sports. Baseball is heating up. We have a Fernando Tatis Jr. controversy and nine batters on Monday night went double dong. Some former MVPs are slumping and we will also dive into our power rankings. I'm your host Tyler with my co-host Michael. Michael, how was
1: your week? It was pretty. It was okay. It was okay. Um, On the one hand, the Padres lost four out of six or so maybe even more uh two to the dodgers in a row which wasn't great um and then oh yeah and they got swept so not quite as great um and they fell below 500 but now they've won two in a row so they're above 500 again so all's right in the world and then um on a more personal note i also graduated college officially i finished my last two classes this past friday so now we're looking for jobs so if you're listening to this and you're hiring in the sports industry, uh, let us know, please. We we, we want the jobs. We're, we're good candidates. We're funny. We're approachable. We're likable. And we work hard, right, Tyler? Yes,
0: we do. And I also graduated, so congratulations to both of us. We did it at the same time. So, you know, it's a lot of weight off our shoulders. So now we can yeah. focus on our future. For sure. So let's get into this Fernando Tatis Jr. controversy. So for those of you that haven't heard, on Monday night the Padres were playing Texas, and Fernando Tatis already went yard that game on Monday night. And we fast forward to the eighth inning, Padres are up seven. Somehow the Padres are winning a game by a lot.
1: The bases Based are this loaded. This man up here in the corner, by the way, shout out, shout out yeah, to percent. my Zoom screen. By the way, if you're just <laughs> listening on the podcast, you can't see the Zoom screen. So. I've got Fernando, and who do you have up there, Tyler? i got Corey Seager, the, the hottest Dodger player right now besides Mookie Betts.
0: Anyways, back to the Fernando Tatis Jr. thing. So Fernando Tatis is at bat. His base is loaded. They're up seven in the eighth inning. He has a 3-0 count, and for those of you that aren't familiar with baseball too much, um, four pitches that are balls, Counts as a walk, and with a 3 0 count, he has thrown no strikes. And when his base is loaded, you don't want to walk the batter to give him a free run. You rather have him hit it into play and hope for a ground ball, double play, throw it at home, anything to get some outs going. But you don't want to walk the guy in a 3 0 count. So what happened was the uh, pitcher threw a meatball right down the middle. Fernando hit it out, no hesitation swing, just like a normal swing just stroked it out of, you know, out of the stadium, and Texas manager Chris Woodward and San Diego Padre manager Jace Tingler, uh, after the game, they both were in agreement that Tatis was wrong for swinging at the 3-0 pitch. And Tatis then apologized for what he did on camera. And professional baseball players went to Twitter to back up Tatis for swinging at the 3-0 pitch. Trevor Bauer, uh, this is a Cincinnati's Reds pitcher, has been very outspoken about controversial baseball issues in the past, and he went on Twitter to tell Fernando Tatis that what he did wrong was apologizing. So, Michael, I think we all want to hear, as you're the San Diego Padre fan and the Fernando Tatis Jr., you know, number one fan,
1: what do you think about all of this? Well, first off, Fernando is my guy, and he doesn't need to apologize for smoking – a ball 112 miles an hour off his bat into the bleachers for a grand slam. Um, my opinion is the unwritten rules of baseball are lame. There is no place for them in the modern game, especially when you're trying to grow the game to a younger audience and a younger fan base. And yeah, it's, it's just frustrating because he's a generational talent. He's somebody the Padres haven't really had before And yet, what annoys me is both managers are kind of trashing him in their post-game press conferences. Um, You have the Rangers manager saying, honestly, he came off better than the Padres manager, but he said um, it's like that unwritten rule where you don't try to, like, run up the score in the later innings when you're up by seven or eight runs. It's like, I'm sorry, the Padres' bullpen has not been that great This year, So you don't even know if seven or eight or 10 runs is enough. I mean, 10 runs is a lot, but you never know in baseball. You never know with this team. So I'm all for Fernando taking his moment and hitting his second home run of the game for a grand slam and really extending that lead. And then but hearing the Rangers manager be like, oh, it's like an unwritten rule that I want to follow. And maybe that makes me old school but I also realized that the game is changing and that there are things that need to evolve. And maybe this is one of those evolving issues. And that's a pretty decent way to answer that as the opposing manager of a team that just got smacked 14 to four. But then from the Padres manager's perspective, Jay Tingler, I mean, he pretty much threw his own player under the bus. I mean, you come out, you win the game Your star player has seven RBIs and two home runs. You think they'd be gushing over him, but instead it's quoted as a teachable moment for Tatis that he needs to learn to take that 3-0 pitch, that 3-0 meatball that he's going to get, and instead just take the pitch and see what happens after that. And that's just unfortunate to me that the manager says something like that and then saying it's a teaching moment because he missed the sign and something – that's something you take clear in-house, not in front of all of the media and that kind of stuff. So that's it's just unfortunate from all aspects. It's more of a teachable moment for Tingler in my opinion than it is for Tatis, because I think Tatis should have the green light pretty much any time to swing with how good he is and how electric he is. Wow. Teachable moment for Tingler.
0: Kind of like that. I'm in full agreement with you, I think. Tatis did nothing wrong you know we see people swinging at 3-0 pitches all the time but I think given the circumstance I somewhat understand where Woodward is coming from but it's it was surprising to see that Tingler was also you know agree in agreement with Woodward I think Tingler should support his players and not expose them like that and make it seem like he's still a kid like he's he is young but he's playing out of his mind right now and he's having an MVP caliber season this he's just he's seeing the ball so well and he's one of the players that went double dong on Monday and I don't know like his teammates were just showering him with joy and Tatis shouldn't have to sit on the bench with a you know with the dunce cap on he should be celebrating the season that he's having and yeah. Another thing I wanted to point out was that the manager, Chris Woodward, he was also the third base coach for the Dodgers back when Manny Machado was on the team. And there oh, was a segue,
1: segue real quick. We okay. forgot to mention mm. that, I'm sorry, that um, Manny Machado was then thrown at um, after Tatis had that grand slam so you know that's another great unwritten rule that needs to be rethought in my opinion players should not be getting thrown at for something that happened in a different at bat that they have personally no control over
0: well that kind of goes back to the joe kelly thing with the astros but oh here
1: we go bringing it back gotta mention the
0: astros you know i always want to talk about the astro stuff but yeah i mean machado did nothing wrong he was just you know it wasn't him. It was Tatis. And they're just retaliating by throwing out Machado. But right. Back to Woodward. Um, yeah, so he, he was the uh, former third base coach for the Dodgers. And there was an old Dodger game where Manny Machado was on the Dodgers. And the Dodgers were up six against um, – I forgot what team it was. But Manny was at that 3-0 count, first and third. Dodgers are up six, and Manny hits a home run. And guess who he high-fives as he's around his third base? Who does he high-five, Tyler? Chris Woodward, the Texas Ranger manager. So it Hypocrite. looks like he supports the 3-0 count swinging. <laughs> and then I'm going to need your expertise on Tingler. Was he also a Texas Ranger Texas Ranger associate employee before he yeah, got the Padres yeah. job?
1: He did. Right before he got the Padres job, he was like a quality control coach for um, the Rangers, which means he like helped out in the field – and in the analytics department. And so that's what you want in your modern manager. You want them to be accepting of analytics and all this kind of stuff. So it was a good hire for the Padres on paper. Um, But then to have this moment kind of happen where it's like maybe he's defending his old team and has like a soft spot for the Rangers because it's like the organization that gave him that chance to really move up and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you're the manager of the opposing team. Now you're supposed to be happy that your team put up 14 runs and came away with a victory after really struggling the past couple nights before that. You should not be throwing your player under the bus. You should be able to celebrate the fact that your team did really well and the fact that your team finally got a win after a tough couple nights. And it's just unfortunate that that was his response. And, of course, there's always a little bit of – uh, media like that overblows things a little bit, and social media and that kind of stuff, that things get taken a little bit out of context. But in this case, I don't think that's really the case. I mean, he just seemed to rat on his own player to his old organization, which is not a great look as the opposing team manager.
0: Yeah, I think Tingler needs to understand that he's got to support his guys, not Texas anymore. You know, the passes in the past his future is with the Padres and the Padres management wants to, you know, like him. Tinglin needs to do a little bit better job of protecting his players. And then to any pitchers that are in a 3-0 count and complain when the batter swings, it's pretty simple. Don't get in that situation, pitch better. You know, you were telling me before off air that, you know, these guys are pros. They have to throw strikes at some point. If their control is that bad, like, don't throw a meatball, you know, throw an off-speed, you know, try to mess with Tatis a little bit. Because if he's guessing fastball and you give him a fastball, he's going to swing. And not just Tatis, but any other, you know, star player. Right. Especially the way he's been playing. Like, he's seeing the ball so well and he's just going to, like, you know, we saw what happened. He just destroyed it.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, that just annoys me because – if you're a pitcher, learn how to pitch better or throw a better pitch. You're a Major League Baseball player. You're at the pinnacle of your sport. I mean, it's it's silly to me that players – it's not Little League. There's no mercy rule. you got to keep, like, attacking. You have to keep scoring runs because you never know how much is going to be enough in a certain game, especially in a 60-game season where games are worth practically three times as much as they are during a normal season. And it's just – Annoying, it's silly, it's stupid that Tatis has to justify hitting two home runs. And it's like if you're MLB, that's not how you're growing the game. You're growing the game by letting players express themselves, letting them have fun, letting them do what they want to do. And if that's bat flips, or if it's that, or if that's strutting off the mound after a really cool strikeout with like a Dustin May movement on Manny Machado type fastball like yeah I want to celebrate that from the pitcher it's like yeah I just like shoved it down that guy like it's it's annoying that baseball is one of the few remaining sports that you have to remain so reserved in fear of offending the older generation older crowd when you that's not the generation that's going to be growing up in the future with these players and with this sport that needs that attraction of the younger generations
0: yeah, I, I agree. Baseball needs some excitement, you know. When you have all these unwritten rules that make the game seem boring, you're not going to attract new fans and the young kids don't want to play. People want to see bat flips. Tim Anderson chucking the bat. Max Muncie staring at the ball with a bat drop.
1: Okay, you Max Muncie hasn't really done that much this year, but, you know. But last year off, bum Gardner. That was pretty cool. And bum, I, mad was... bum.
0: Mad bum being mad bum. Oh, Just
1: that guy's the worst when it comes to, like, the unwritten rule of, like, Ugh, the, the guy used the bat flip, and he, like, he bat flipped off me. I'm going to, like, yell at him and stare him down the entire time he's jogging <laughs> around the bases. Like, let it go. He pimped one off you. Strike him out next time. Like, not, it's not that hard. Just let it he go, can,
0: buddy. He, he can prevent it, you know. These pitchers, exactly. they, Pitch they complain. Better. Pitch yeah. better. Locate better. Don't throw him a meatball. Like, anybody's yeah. going to hit it out deep if you give him it fastball right down the middle exactly but, exactly
1: yes yeah. so that's fernando tatis jr um we covered a lot of him we're going to continue to cover a lot of the padres throughout this season but let's talk about some other stars who are on the wrong side of the stats right now some starters struggling tyler such as like guys like glaber toyas torres excuse me pete alonzo josh bell christian yelich rafael devers cody bellinger chris bryant Jose Altuve, a bunch of star names are really struggling this year. And um, who do you want to start with first?
0: I mean, I think we should get the uh, the obvious one, Jose Altuve, former AL MVP, stole it from Judge and Mike Trout. I think uh, we all know why he's struggling, right? Little bang bang of the trash can.
1: I, mean, I let's little, see. Little like, we will to buzz. go through we we'll have to go through the recordings in like a year and see how many episodes in a row you brought up uh buzzers and trash cans because i'm very interested in this because i listen back and i'm sure our listeners listen to this too and they're like oh boy here goes tyler and the buzzers again oh tyler and the trash cans that's a that's a good band name by the way tyler and the trash cans you know couldn't be
0: Although, i'm not, i'm not feeling i think that's a, more nah, of a houston nah. trash tros kind of thing that's
1: that's true but yeah, okay. but yeah. What, about, what about what about buzzer boy buzzer, buzzer boy, boy. <laughs>
0: Buzzer boy is batting under two hundred.
1: Alleged, he's, alleged buzzer boy, right? It's not. Sorry, not alleged.
0: Yeah, come on. Pictures with a line and little bump on his jersey, and then yeah, get the walk off home run off uh, Chapman. Don't rip off my series. jersey. Yeah, and he runs to the locker room, changes into the shirt. You know, no one sees it because he's he doesn't want his, his wife doesn't like it when he undresses <laughs> himself, or he had a new tattoo that he didn't want people to see. All these different right. cover ups, right. but. Yeah, Buzzer Boy's batting under 200. I kind of like that Buzzer Boy. He's batting under 200 and um I've been following the Astro games for a little bit and they bumped him down to like the 7th spot in the lineup now. Wow. So, he used to be lead off or you know, a 2 you know, a 2 spot guy, but he's slumping and I think you know, Baseball World loves it cuz they know why he's slumping cuz he doesn't know what's
1: coming anymore. <laughs> What a concept.
0: Who else do you want to talk
1: about? Um, let's talk. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, Cody Bellinger. <laughs> hey. Oh, God. Uh, Tyler's favorite. <laughs> Cody Bellinger. He's hitting 181 with a 252 on base percentage this year. So uh, he's got 103 played appearances. He's got 16 strikeouts. He's got, what, 11 RBI, I think. And he's got 17 hits. So, you know, like, not not great for Cody. Um, I mean, it kind of helps that he's got guys like Mookie in that lineup, which can kind of carry the slack that him and Max Muncy are kind of struggling through right now. But, yeah, he hasn't been good either. Uh, Christian Yelich, another big name that has not been good. 194, he's still below 200. He's picked it up a little bit, but still a lot of strikeouts and not very many hits, which is kind of the theme of this list. Yeah,
0: it's surprising to see all these former MVPs struggling. I think Yelich and Bellinger were going through a swing change um, during the COVID break. So I think that's something to blame it or have an excuse for. But these, these guys, you expect them to be up top, hitting home runs every day and batting three hundred And I don't know. I, I I feel like they're gonna make a turn, but we're almost halfway through the season and they're not making that turn yet. So yeah. it's kinda crazy. Think,
1: it's like you huh? think we're it's like at one point where like teams are like twenty, twenty-five games, sometimes ten or fifteen if you're the Cardinals or Reds mm-hmm. or Marlins. Now, but it's crazy thing that twenty or twenty-five games is like a third of the way through the season. It's like you're almost at the halfway point and there's still like Way more people than normal are well below 200. And it's really interesting to see how much some hitters are struggling and some guys like Charlie Blackman aren't. It's crazy to see that. And another guy, uh Polar Bear Pete, Pete Alonzo, he's also struggled. 13. He's got 13 RBIs. He's got three doubles. How many home runs does he have? I'm blanking on that. But he's got probably a couple, probably like four or five home runs. And then he's got – he leads this list of about six players I have with 30 strikeouts, 30 strikeouts and 87 at-bats. That's almost half. I guess it's like 35 or 40%, which is, as Tyler likes to point out, off-air, Fernando Tatis' strikeout numbers. So that's great Uh, for Pete. Him and Tatis are similar in some categories, but Pete's hitting 241, which is okay, respectable. But not nearly a Tatis level or a Charlie Blackman level.
0: Yeah, I just looked up Pete Alonso has five home runs, so not bad, but you know
1: not eleven like Fernando.
0: Yeah, he's. I would take Fernando over Pete easily. Oh yeah, yeah. Pete's. I don't know if you've seen Pete. He's he's pretty he's pretty thick. That's why he's that first base. <laughs> yeah, he exactly. can't, can't play defense. He just has to stand on the bag and just catch mm-hmm. a ball that's thrown at him. But yeah, um, I don't know. I I was kind of expecting a slump for him. He just hits for power. The um, New York fan base just hypes up all their players. Like Judge, he deserves the hype. He's he's amazing. But Pete Alonso, you know, home run derby champ. Whatever, whatever. But. Mets aren't going anywhere, and Pete's just an average guy to me.
1: <laughs> just an um, average major league player, in my opinion. I don't know if you agree with that. I I agree and disagree with that statement. I mean, he's a very good player. He had a very good one. He had one very good season, but also everybody argues that if Tatis had been healthy and played the whole season, that he probably would have won NL Rookie of the Year as opposed to Pete Alonso. So there's that whole controversy with them. Um, I think Pete Alonso is a good player. He also plays for the Mets, which are not that great this year. Uh, And they haven't been for a while. So that's probably part of the issue is he's not on a great team, doesn't have a lot of lineup protection or anything. And it's also that usual sophomore slump for players. A lot of players, the league adjusts to them in their second season. So it's harder for hitters and pitchers in that second season as opposed to that first season to really um, readjust to the adjustments that have been made against them by the end of that first season. So I'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there.
0: Yeah. I mean, Tatis isn't struggling in his sophomore year. I think we both agreed last year that, you know, if Tatis didn't go down, he should have won the rookie of the year, even though Pete had the home run derby and, you know, all the hype going on him with the, I think, what, 50 home runs or something. But I think overall Tatis is a way better player. I think he's a five-tool player. He plays amazing defense. He steals bags. He's got speed, hits for power, contact, so disciplined sometimes, yeah. I guess. That kind of slipped. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the discipline isn't there yet, but everything else is there. He's, I think he's better than Machado at this point in his career. I think Machado. Don't get me started
1: on Manny. Manny's 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 been, been slumping too.
0: Yeah, Manny's it's, been slumping. It's sad.
1: No. Hey, he got paid
0: though, so good. good. Good for, good, him, good for right?
1: him. Good for him. Yeah. No. Yeah. For sure. But um, what about the opposite spectrum? Uh, what are like we we were talking a little bit off air about. There's a couple guys who have the chance to maybe hit above 400. And one of them plays in your least favorite ballpark, Coors Field. Charlie Blackman currently hitting 437 as of Monday night. He's, yeah, he's hitting 437 with 22 RBIs and just 13 strikeouts. He has 38 hits. That leads the MLB, which obviously means he's leading in batting average too. Um, But, yeah, the dude's just raking. I mean, 400 watch. I could see him getting there. I honestly could. I mean, people want to complain that he plays in Coors and that makes it an unfair advantage. But, I mean, that's kind of – it's a little bit of a stretch here. But that's kind of like saying maybe you shouldn't hit a home run if the circumstances are given to you on a three-zero count. I mean, because <laughs> he's just playing where he was – where where he was, I don't remember if he was drafted by Colorado or that's where he ended up for his major league career. And if I'm put in, if I'm a major league hitter and my home ballpark is Colorado, I have no problem with my stats being higher and the, along with the higher elevation to try and help me hit the ball farther, make it travel out of the yard more often, get on base more often. I'm perfectly fine with that. And in a 60 game season, a guy like Charlie Blackman definitely has the ability to hit at or above 400 in my opinion.
0: I agree. I think the ballpark he plays in has a difference. Just you see all these high scoring games in Coors Field and, you know, we like to joke about it, or at least I do, but it's true. (laughs) I mean, the numbers are there. You look at any game, you know, game log with a team playing in Colorado and yeah, sometimes the totals are always over like 10. So no. there is a Coors effect. And, yeah, I think, you know, Chuck Nasty, this, this beard, he's a contact hitter. He's, he shows some power at times. But, you know, you, you wouldn't be surprised if you see Charlie Blackman leading the league in average, which he is right now. So I hope he stays above 400 because I think that's an amazing feat for him. A um, couple other guys that can get to 400 is DJ LeMahieu for the Yankees. He's at 411. No
1: chance. No chance. That's Why my, is that? Continue. No, no, no I'll, I'll, I'll. we'll come back to them. Okay. Who, who else is on your list?
0: But, sorry, back to LeMahieu just a little bit. He was a former Coors player. He used to play for the Rockies before he signed with the Yankees. So I'm sensing a trend here. <laughs> and the Donovan Solano for the Giants, he's at 390 right now. He's in the same division as Coors, so there,
1: there's a little Coors theme, I think.
0: What what's your take on DJ? You don't think DJ's going to get there?
1: No, I mean, just playing the percentages. Blackman's currently four thirty seven. Lemayhew's four eleven. It takes one or it takes probably two or three, one for three, zero oh for three, zero oh for four for Lemayhew to dip under four hundred, and then it's going to take Blackman more time than that. I mean, because players are obviously going to go through these instances where they seeing the ball really well, and then they're not seeing the ball really well. And I think Blackman can sustain seeing the ball well for longer periods of time than a guy like DJ who Donovan Solano, and that those kind of guys. That's just my opinion. Um, LeMahieu's always been that, like, fourth or fifth best guy on a team, too. Like, he's not better than Judge. He's not better than Stanton. He's about – I'd say he's about as good in a different way as Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt hits the home runs while LeMahieu just like comes out with a three-for-five day, three singles, which is fine. That's more Tony Gwynn-esque, more contact hitting than a Luke Voigt or a Barry Bonds. <laughs> but I don't know. I can see. I could definitely see LeMahieu getting it, but in my opinion, I just don't. Of the players on this list who we've talked about, I don't think he's as likely as a guy like Charlie Blackman.
0: That's fair. I think LeMahieu, yeah, he's always been a contact guy. Gets a lot of singles and doubles. And, you know, you check the game logs, he always has like a three-hit day or a two-hit day. But it's hard to sustain that over a full season. But given that it's a 60-game season, I feel like the odds of Blackman and LeMahieu and possibly Solano batting above 400 are increased. So it's the, – the time's in their hands. So they can they can sustain it, I think. I, yeah, I, I feel like Blackman's going to stay up there in the 400 range. And last year, Bellinger, when he was in his MVP season, I got a little shout out to my boy, but he was batting above 400 for a while. And, you know, there was a question if he can sustain that. And obviously it dipped because it's, it's nearly impossible to yeah. be above
1: 400. Did yeah. Tony Gwynn ever get there? He came close. Um, he hit 394 one year. Okay. And that's insane. It was it was another shortened year, but it wasn't nearly as short as this year. Um, it was like a okay. strike shortened season in, I think, 92 or 98 here. Let me look it up real quick.
0: Um, okay. But,
1: yeah, he hit 394 that year. He was a monster at the plate. But as a, I kind of compared him to LeMahieu earlier, but he just got on base a lot. He just hit for contact, didn't really hit for power. And, yeah, let's see. Tony Gwynn, 394 season. It was the 1994 season. Um, and, yeah, that was the strike shortened season. They played about 120 games that year.
0: Okay. So, it is possible. And then with the shortened season. So, the 60-game season is just half of what Tony Gwynn played. So, the odds are definitely higher for these guys to stay yeah. above 400.
1: Yeah, I agree. back on
0: your point with Lemayhu, you said he's a like the top four
1: guy on the team. I mean, okay, on the Yankees, yes, because you have got Judge, you have Stanton, you have Garrett Cole. I, those three are definitely better than him. That's true. I don't know. I but feel like a lot you of teams always want a contact guy on team. Yeah. But there's definitely teams you can make an argument that he's either the best player or the second best player. I was just saying for, like, where he was. I mean, even on Colorado, was he the second or third best player? Probably not. You've got Blackman and Arenado, and then sometimes Trevor Story, and then either I, – I, probably third best player. Either LeMay, or Story was probably the third best player on that team. So he's never the guy on a team. He's like the um, – oh, I was going for basketball – He's like the Kyrie Irving. He's not the guy. He's the second guy. That's fair.
0: But I want to talk about some pitchers that are kind of hot right now. Um, we were talking about it before the pod, but do you think that it's possible to see a pitcher, a starting pitcher be under like a two ERA, possibly a 1.5 ERA this season? Mm-hmm.
1: Off pod, you were saying right around one. So on pod, you're saying a little I'm bit higher. I'm raising it,
0: yeah. I don't think it's going to be under one.
1: What no,
0: about 1.5?
1: I mean, 1.5. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, there's a couple of guys that are under that right now, and Lance Lynn, Max Fried, and Shane Bieber. So it's doable. I mean, those guys can definitely pitch that well the whole season. I'd say of those three – of guys who are currently under 1.5, I'd say – I want to say Shane Bieber, but also at the same time, I'm not going to. I'm going to say of those three, I'm going to go with Max Freed. Why? Because he's on the best team of those three teams. Max Freed is on Atlanta while Lance Lynn is on Texas. He's not going to get any run support. And Shane Bieber is on Cleveland who just lost two of their best starting pitching due to coronavirus issues. They didn't get corona, but they went – out and they have been suspended and sent home by the team Mike Klevinger and Zach Plezak. So that puts even more of a burden on Bieber. I think his ERA goes up a little bit because of that. So of those three, I'm thinking Max Free could potentially do it. I'm,
0: I'm going to go Lance Lynn and possibly Dylan Bundy. He's a little bit outside of 1.5. Dylan
1: Bundy did terrible today.
0: He'll, he'll, he'll fix it. He'll fix, he'll fix it. it. But- Lance Lynn, right now he's at a 1.1 ERA. And the thing is that Texas, they're closing the roof, the retractable roof in their stadium. And it's a thing. That didn't help them
1: when Tatis hit those two home runs.
0: That is true. But Lance Lynn didn't pitch that game. So there you go. But it's a theme when these uh, retractable roof stadiums, like in Arizona, I think it's called Chase Field. And in Texas, when they close these roofs – you know, the ball doesn't fly as well as it would when the roof is open. So Texas has been closing the roof a lot this season. So I think Lynn, since he's already at the 1.1, 1. 1, he's already well within the 1.5 ERA threshold. I think, my opinion, he has the best odds. But I could definitely well, see the, your see take here. on Freed.
1: He's – if you're a starter and you're healthy this whole season, you'll have, what, 13, 14 starts probably?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So he's a third of the way through uh, I could okay, okay. Almost half. Uh, a third. Say a third of the way through. Okay. Um that's tough, dude. One point five is so low. I mean, I know it's a sixty game season and it's twelve it's thirteen or so starts that you just have to do extreme you can't have one bad outing in this situation, though. That's the thing. Like, usually in a 162-game season, you have 35, 40 start – I don't know, 40. 30 or 35 starts, and that one or two bad outings can really be balanced out. But in this case, it's really um, a problem if you're one of those guys and you give up six earned runs in four innings. Like, you, you just can't do that in this scenario. So, it's really tough. But, yeah, I'm going to go with either Fried or Lynn. But I'd love to be proven wrong and see Shane Bieber. Get onto
0: that 1.5 ERA. I want to add another guy to this list. What about one of your boys, Denelson Lamet? He's currently at a 1.59 ERA, just a little bit outside. We're, we like Lamette. You know, he had a he had an injury problem that held him out. I think one or two years. Mm-hmm. But he's Tommy back, John. Yeah. Tommy John, and now he's back. He's got a good offense behind him. You love
1: Except for when he pitches, they give up like, he gets like zero run support every time he pitches. Poor guy. But Petco Park's a pitcher's
0: park. That's it is. Kind of it is. Too. That is true. I feel like he, he could be a little dark horse candidate for Cy Young, possibly.
1: Okay. Sure. Yes. Why not? <laughs> Let's Come see. On. You gotta, you gotta support your Padre guys. I I am I am. I'm I'm about to list off a really cool stat. His K okay. percentage, with so it's like the percentage of outs that he records is from a strikeout is 32. percent That's about one every three or four batters. So basically, there's three outs in the inning, right? So basically, about once an inning, he's getting a strikeout when he's out there. That's crazy. That's like nine, 10, 11 strikeouts sometimes. And then a a minimum, it's like six strikeouts. And he's only walking guys like 7% of the time. So his final lines are usually like six or seven strikeouts, six innings, three hits, two runs, and like a walk. And even even his past couple starts, he's gone and flirted with the first ever – it'll never happen because I'm a cynic, but the Potters have never thrown a no-hitter. And they're illustrious – career um and he has floated with a no hitter his past couple outings he went six innings one time seven innings the next so i'd love to see it happen i'd love to see him throw that first no hitter i'd love to see him also go onto that 1.5 era but i have a feeling there's going to be those couple outings where it's just not as dominant as he has been
0: yeah lamette is pretty filthy strikeouts but another guy who's filthier is Dylan Bundy. You keep writing him off. Dylan Bundy has a eleven K per nine stat. So you said Lamette has like a strikes strikes out one guy per every inning. Bundy is like, you know, two every or three every two inning guy. So actually his
1: K percentage is only one percent higher than Lamette. But I get your point. It's higher. It's higher. It's higher. It's higher. It is. You're right. You're right. I'll give you that. They, the Angels they needed p-
0: pitching and they got a guy who's pitched way above what he's done, you know, mm-hmm. in Baltimore. So it's good for the Angels because Julio that's Tehran the, is that's been
1: one not good right spot. Mm-hmm. Him and Mike Trout have been the good, the good, the good thing. Him, Mike Trout, and David Fletcher have been the. What about Rendon? He started off hurt. He's only hitting home runs. He's doing better now, I guess. But like the team's eight and sixteen. Yeah, no. I, I just can't get high on anyone when they're eight and sixteen. You know.
0: Yeah. But back on your strikeouts, um, I saw that Fernando Tatis is striking out thirty percent of his at bats. We're on
1: the pitching side. We're we're not talking about the hitting side. We're talking about I, pitchers I that strike out, the, out the other stat. guys
0: a bunch. You're, you know, you got the guy in the bound and. You always talk about his power, but you got to talk about his discipline. He's striking out 30% of the time. If you can clean that up, he could probably be in that
1: 400 average range. No, you're right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but I think he makes up for those strikeouts with his league-leading 11 home runs and his clutch at-bats. That's just my personal opinion.
0: 3-0 clutch at-bat. <laughs> 3-0.
1: 0 Yeah, 3-0 count.
0: Yeah. He's um, actually leading the league in home runs, too.
1: I know. I mean part of the reason is Judge is on the shelf on yeah. the injured list and Trout hasn't hit one in like three days. So, you know. Mm-hmm. That kinda helps, but he's a very impr he's a very impressive player. Um But yeah, now let's get to some power rankings. It's power rankings time. Um uh, it's our favorite weekly segment. Um last week Tyler did not like mine at all. This week he texted me his right before and I was like, oh, and I was like, I was very intrigued. And I remember now I did not text him mine. So he does not know my top five. So we're doing a live reveal of mine, but Tyler, would you like to go first? Or would you like me to go first?
0: I'll go first. And okay. I want to, you know, same with the viewers, listen to what you have to say for the first time. Cause I don't know what, <laughs> what your rankings are. I hope the Baltimore Orioles aren't in your top five. Cause I might, I might puke. <laughs> They are, doing, they are playing really well, though. But anyways, so my rankings are, number one, we got the Dodgers. As expected, I think I had them at number two last week. Finally climbed to number one because they've won seven games in a row. And this is, you know, with Bellinger, Peterson, Muncy, Bueller not playing well, and they're still having the most wins in the MLB. And they're streaking right now, seven wins in a row given it was against the Angels and two against the Mariners so far. So they aren't the best, the best teams right now, but a win's a win. And number two, I got the Yankees. They're seven and three in the last 10. They have 16 wins, and this is with Judge on the shelf, um, Stanton, who's always injury prone. And I think Chapman came back. Our oldest Chapman, their closer, came back. So, you know, if they can get all their guys healthy – They'll compute the number one spot the Dodgers.
1: That's always the the big if with the Yankees, though. It's because, like, Mm -hmm. Judge and Stanton always get hurt. It's not if with with them. It's when and how many games they're going to be out, and that just stinks for the Yankees.
0: Yeah, as a fan, you don't want to see players being hurt for numerous games. You want to see your guys play, and it sucks when they get hurt because they're on the shelf for, like, ten days, and you miss out on, like, five games, so... Hopefully they come back healthy sooner than later, get back into form for the playoffs because I think we all want to see the Bronx Bombers back in action. And then uh, number three, I got the Athletics. They have 16 wins. They did lose two in a row. So there's a little pause for concern for me. But I don't know. They're pretty strong. I like the Athletics. They have Chapman at third. I think he's solid defensively, offensively. Matt Olsen hits dingers. I love dingers. But Chris Davis hasn't been playing well this year. They're a DH guy. He's normally known for his power, and power bats tend to struggle at times, as we've seen with Yelich um, and Bellinger. And then fourth, I got Twins. 16 wins. They've won three in a row. Today, we're recording this on Tuesday, Kenta Maeda, Former Dodger player had a no hitter through eight innings, gave up a hit in the top of the ninth, and they pulled him, and then the Brewers tied the game actually and then went oh to Oh my goodness. This. But they actually pulled out the win. <laughs> Thank God.
1: That's crazy.
0: And uh my dad and I were watching the game, we were cheering on Kenta to get that no hitter. And then we just mm-hmm. sit down in the ninth inning and then he gives up a little bloop single and then <laughs> we almost cried. It was just you know, Kenta's our guy. Yeah. We love Kenta. And then fifth, I got the Rays, 15 wins, second to the East. They could pass the Yankees pretty soon if the Yankees don't, you know, sustain the wins without their guys. So I could see the Rays sneaking up there. Your boy Renfro.
1: He's in 194. Playing. I saw that today. Come on. Don't your boy Renfro me. <laughs> <laughs> he had a great start, though. He had, like, but, okay, it was, like, the first three games and he had two home runs. Yeah.
0: Blake Snell, okay. he's he had an injury problem, but he's coming back. So he he pitched. I think he pitched against the Yankees tonight, and he he did okay. But to go over my rankings again, I got the Dodgers at one, Yankees at two, Athletics at three, Twins at four, and Rays at five. So only um, one NL team. So I hope to see the Padres creep up there next week. But I think this is your moment. We're all waiting for it.
1: Oh yeah. The suspense is it. killing everybody. I um, know. So, I'm, I'm itching. So, so four out of the five teams we have are the same, but just in a different order. So at number one, I have the New York Yankees. We've talked about them earlier, but DJ LeMayhew, 4'11 average. Uh, Voigt's also playing well. He's got a couple dingers. He's trying to help that team out there in the absence of judge and Stanton. Uh, Chad Green. 0.71 ERA and Adam Onavino, 1.08 ERA. Two really solid bullpen guys pitching really well in the absence of Chapman. But now that Chapman's back, that's going to be a really solid back end of the bullpen for the Yankees. So they're 18 and 7. I have them at one. At two, I have the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> who, who, the Dodgers. Okay. Yeah. The Dodgers. Yeah. 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 It, it pains you to say it, doesn't it? It does. They're pitching staff. We say it every week, but it's good, okay? The, okay, Not good, it's great. The second in ERA in the league, 2.71 ERA. Um, lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. And then on the offensive side, they're second in hits as a team with 207, and they're first in dingers hit with 46, the next closest entering Tuesday morning because that's when baseball references stats went through, had 40. So there, as a team, they've hit six more home runs than the next closest team. So that offense is powering them as well, and that pitching staff has been, for the most part, lights out. So that's why they're at two. At three, I have the Oakland A's. They're 16-8. and eight. Um, They have the most saves in the MLB this year with 10, and they're fourth in overall ERA at 3.55. Liam Hendricks their pitcher has a 1.59 ERA he's got 7 saves and 17 strikeouts over 11.1 innings pitched and Chris Bassett I think I I really yeah, I mean, his you last got it name. you got it Bassett thank you Chris Bassett their starter 2.93 ERA over 27.2 innings pitched and he's got 22 strikeouts so he's doing pretty well um, as usual, it's the A's. So it's like there's always those names that no one else ever hears about, and then just show up and they pitch really well. But for me, it's odd again because the offense—they their best hitters hitting like 270. Everybody's hitting in like the 250 and 260 range. It's really interesting to see them have that success without a guy really like hitting the ball all over the yard wherever he wants to in the 300 range. But they don't have anybody near there right now. At uh, where am I? Four. The one team that we have different. I have the Chicago Cubs. You, you just hate on the Cubs, apparently.
0: I hate so, the Cubs.
1: They're 14-7 this year. Um, Kippins is hitting 314. Happ is hitting 313 with five home runs. Yu Darvish, 1.8 ERA. He's given up just 22 hits, and he has 34 strikeouts on the year. And Lester has a 2.7, John Lester has a 2.74 ERA. You know what's crazy? I mentioned four players, right? And none of them were named Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, or Anthony Rizzo. And the Cubs are fourth on my power rankings list, and they're seven games over 500 without their three stars really producing on the offensive side of the ball. It's really impressive that they're doing so well there. I say it every week, I mean, but I'm impressed again with, the Cubs and their lack of stars playing as well as they should be. And at fifth, I have the Minnesota Twins. They're 15 and 8. Nelson Cruz, the Cruz Missiles, got eight bombs on the year and he's hitting 354. Jorge wow. Polanco is hitting 303. Uh, Tyler Duffy, the reliever, 0.00 ERA and nine innings pitched. He's got 12 strikeouts. He's walked zero guys and he's only given up four hits, and uh, their starter, their starter, Randy Dobnak is four and one, one point four two ERA over twenty five innings pitched. So their pitching has been great. Nelson Cruz is hitting three fifty four, and Jorge Polanco is; those two are really carrying that offense, and that's why they slide in at number five. So to go over my rankings, I went with Yankees at one, then the Dodgers then the A's, then the Cubs, and then the Twins.
0: Pretty good. We're we're pretty spot on with our rankings. We only we always have like one team different.
1: Yeah, I mean it's pretty easy this week. I mean those were the those were um, as of Tuesday night the five best records in Major League Baseball, um, percentage yeah. wise. Yeah. So I went with those five. So that's why made it pretty easy for me to pick them.
0: The thing about the Cubs, is, I don't know. I just don't like him. Like, I think I'm salty about the U Darvish, just him playing well. Because when he was on the Dodgers for that one year, he did nothing. Like, you know, in the World Series, he gets lit up by the Astros. Maybe I should give him a pass because
1: of the whole –
0: I'm not going to get into it. It's brought up
1: again. It's brought up again.
0: Uh...
1: (laughs) Third or fourth time this pod.
0: I know. I'm sorry. I got to control myself better. (laughs) But – Yeah, I got to give it to him. He's having a great season so far. I think since the back half of the 2019 season until now, he's been playing lights out. So I'm glad to see that Darvish is finally finding his form again because he struggled ever since he uh, went to the Cubs after he left the Dodgers. So I always like seeing pitchers that struggle kind of find it again because especially these guys, that get paid all this money. You don't want to see them just – you know, cash out right after, like, Manny right. Machado is cashing out.
1: <laughs> He's not. He's just struggling. Give him six more years. He'll be back to normal. Six more years?
0: Is that what you said?
1: Yeah. Oh, six years from now, he'll have two gold gloves, two all-star appearances. And, and zero an MVP. rings. Zero rings. Oh, don't say that. No. No. <laughs> Remember, we've been saying for years, Padres, 2020 World Series champions. But they're fourth in
0: the West right now.
1: And they're over 500, though. You know, they can, they can sneak their way up there.
0: I think you've always said that you wanted a 500 season out of this team, right? Yeah. It's always a good trend in the direction that they yeah. have the exactly. record. Exactly. Exactly.
1: This has been yeah. the Pop-Off Podcast presented by Semi-Pro Sports.